everyone. Welcome to the Dishes and Dimes podcast presented by BasketballNews.com. I am your host, Yasmin Duwale, and I'm joined by my co-host, Iman. Iman, what is up? How was your New Year's? Did you spend it indoors like everyone else in Ontario or did you do something outside? What was it like for you? Um, yes, I apologize for my audio, guys. If it comes out really scratchy, apparently over New Year's, I lost my... Um, microphone cord uh no but um my new year was great um because I got to stay home and I honestly like didn't even do the countdown I looked up and it said midnight and I was like oh shit (laughs) 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 but now I started messaging people so this is like I didn't have to freeze my butt off I didn't have to wear heels when I don't like to wear pretend to like it (laughs) yeah I didn't I didn't have to be next to a million people, which honestly, I do have COVID anxiety. Like the idea of being crammed in with that many people makes me anxious now. So I enjoyed it Um, and have no idea what the rest of the world is doing because I I think might have been binging landscapers on HBO or something. (laughs) Yeah, everyone I know, it was an indoor thing. Like my entire circle, everyone was just kind of hanging out indoors. (laughs) Uh, I did. I miss my friends, but like I was happy that I was indoors as well, but... Yeah. No, this is the new normal. I'm actually used to this. I'm used to this isolation thing <laughs> being um, an Ontario resident the last, you know, a uh, couple years now. I think I'm into mm-hmm. the flow of my COVID social life. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, learning to cope. It's a new normal now, I feel like. But yeah. speaking of the new year, um, me and Iman were just talking about it. We thought, you know, we make our own New Year's resolutions. Why not think of a few for you know, the on-court play of some players and some things that they might be looking to, you know, add to their skill sets um, heading into 2022. Um, And, you know, why not make it Raptors themed? Because, you know, that is the hometown team and that's the roster that we're so familiar with. But um, I know you mentioned Scotty Barnes. Do you have a particular thing that you want to see, Scotty? Um, I don't even know how to put it, but like resolve or... um, perhaps think of uh, to improve or change or add to his game heading into the new year of his rookie season. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that we're talking about Scotty as like, and the things that I want him to improve on, it's almost like he's obviously he's not a finished product. There's lots for him to improve on. He's so young and really the sky's the limit with him. But I feel like I might've said one thing last week where I'm like, Oh no, no, he's fine with that now. Like, yeah. <laughs> he came back today. I saw him. It, 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 and it, it's daily. Like I, I likened him last week to like my niece who's two. And every time <laughs> I like speak with her or see her, I'm like, you know, that word now, like you can do that now. <laughs> like, you understand this concept now. And it just feels like she grows so much faster than like the rest of the human world. And that's because that's how two-year-olds grow. That's how toddlers grow. And I feel like that's like, Scotty on the basketball court where it feels like he picks up on things so much faster than obviously like that's uh, I mean whatever that's picking up on but you know what I mean just like mm-hmm. the the acceleration with which humans grow from like being an infant to a toddler is very similar to what we're seeing Scotty do in his rookie season uh so that's spectacular I was actually going to start my new year's resolution with something for Raptors Twitter it just came to me as you were talking there mm-hmm. but fighting can that be it for all of us no fighting <laughs> I think no it's fighting the, for the um... year it's the, what do you call it? It's the, um, I think that the, the, the unpredictability and the frustration of the season is kind of spilling into the fan base. Yeah. Um, and I totally it's, get it. It's like, it's not even just a season of it. It's the 
a spillover from, uh, you know, you're talking about the 2020, no, the 2019-2020 season being paused and then, you know, the bubble and the further bubble of an entire season in Tampa. And then you have this season where, yeah, there's been a lot of cool things, but also there's been the team being, you know, um, sidelined with COVID and then the injuries and everything. So I think it's like frustration building up and people having different, you know, schools of thoughts about how to, um, you know, uh, move forward from there. But yeah, that should be a resolution to, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy the season, enjoy our players um, because we're good again. The team is finally starting to get healthy. It felt like there were so many for, for a year and a half. You just mentioned it kind of since the bubble two years now. I don't even know. I don't know time, but it's almost um, like two years. This spring would have been like two years since that halt in the season. Right, right. I mean, it's exactly, exactly March. Um, so since that time, it just, it, it's been, and it, the, the Raptors just have not been able to catch a break. Um, but now, like today's game, and granted, the Knicks are shorthanded, um, it just felt nice seeing everybody there. I feel like the Scotty um, New Year's resolution. I mean, the confidence with which he just takes that sort of pull up three, a step back three, just like his confidence shooting has been spectacular to watch and obviously wanting that to grow. He also has just such amazing court vision. Um, and I'd like to see him sort of, they just don't have a lot of guards. They have fed. Um, so what I want to see from the Pascals and from the Scotty um, is just more of that, more of that playmaking. We've seen it from Pascal. He had seven assists again today. He's just been He's just been leaning into that. like a seven, eight assists. It's like, been so much fun nowadays. And it makes me so happy because I've been like banging in the, the drum of like, I just need a backup point guard. This is not like Delano and, and, and Malachi are great, but I'm like, Fred needs to be wrapped in bubble wrap. Fred is the most important person on this team. What are the Raptors going to do? And just watching Pascal, I'm like, oh, wait, no, never mind. If you just have Scotty and Pascal and all these other guys who can kind of operate um, as, as the lead ball handler and, and playmaker when they're on the court, you don't need to have a backup point guard. You need your point guard, which is Fred. And then you kind of just need everybody else to be able to do all sorts of things. Um, so I'd like to see Scotty continue to grow with that because he does have such great court vision. And because of his size, some of the passes that he's able to make, like I remember one, I think from a week ago, where he just threw this like he a uh, cross court pass. He was on one corner. Utah was in the other. And his ability to get that shot up, first of all, to see Utah in that moment, um, but just get that pass up, not shot, excuse me. Um, it it's just it's so much fun to watch. It's fun to watch a playmaker be six nine and have seven foot wingspan when for so long we've been focusing on these like six ten um, six apparently. <laughs> well, yeah, like he grows every single day. That's enough. Keep growing, Scotty. Um, but. Uh, so yeah, so so I would like to see that improve. I'd like to see more playmaking from him because I think the Raptors could really unlock something special with him and, and Pascal there. Yeah, so that's a good. Yeah, and I, honestly, like um, you mentioned that he his development is really exponential. It's is true because I remember there was like a month where I'm like, this kid does not box out. Like <laughs> he just stands there ball watching, <laughs> and then literally immediately after, he's now boxing out on every. Um, you know, shot that goes up and he's um, constantly getting those offensive rebounds and stuff. So yeah, he just, you could, you could tell he's going to watch film. He's going to improve whatever it is that he lacks. Um, and yeah, that's a good thing to have in a rookie. Um, I'd say um, a resolution from another player that I would have is um, Fred Van Vliet. 
which is to, uh, you know, it's honestly like a keep it up kid kind of thing. <laughs> but um, The fact that like lately he's really leaned into just the fact that he's a pure scorer, you know, mm-hmm. like he's not trying to emulate or be Kyle Lowry, you know, which is what mm-hmm. so many of us kind of wanted him to do. But he's just being Fred, which can be an equally um, effective player at its best. You know what I mean? Um, and for him, that's just been like just being a bona fide scorer. Like now he's a straight up three level scorer. And, you know, if he can't make those uh, certain passes that we want to see him make, if he can't master that pick that pocket pass, it's OK, because he can make up those points, um, you know, with such efficiency and regularity. Um, that he can continue to be effective. And um, I would love to like for him to just embrace that lead score role that he's just taken on. And, um, you know, as long as his body holds up, um, I really can't see, I can't wait to see how uh, he keeps it up and how long it goes for, because right now he's on a ridiculous streak. I think the last oh my gosh. four games or five games or so, he's just he's been, been scoring phenomenal. like, you know, 25, 27 up 30 point games here and there. Like it's been absolutely ridiculous. Um, and you know, with the way now that everyone's healthy, um, we saw flashes of it throughout the season and the advanced stats actually support it, um, that, you know, the Raptors best lineups are among the best in the NBA, um, their lineup, uh, that they were starting with before Pascal came back, they played quite significant minutes with each other and they have like a sixth best, um, five man lineup net rating in the NBA, um, off like, I think 150 minutes, which isn't insignificant for a single lineup. So, um, those flashes we've been seeing are real. And I think that we just need to see a sustained amount of time with it. Um, and, you know, it's it, that's kind of been the um, theme of this season and last season, too, where it's just not a fair it's not a it's not an even playing field. And that's just kind of the fact of the matter with everything happening right now. Teams are going to have an, uh, a disadvantage. We saw it with the Knicks today. They're missing a lot of their best scores today. Um, teams are going to be shorthanded regularly. That's just a fact of the season. And um, going far in the season, going far in the postseason, it's going to be a matter of a lot of luck and health. Um, and, you know, um, there's there are a lot of stakes um, just based on variables that we wouldn't even think about before. It would be like, OK, hopefully our best players don't have freak injuries. Now it's like hopefully our you know roster isn't wiped out and sidelined with COVID for two. Like you know, tie in with each other. But similar to, to the Fred point, him being able to be a pure scorer, it ties into my resolution of other guys really stepping up with their playmaking. But yeah. it, it also to, like. Yeah. He doesn't need to be when when other guys are sort of stepping up in that in that role. Um, but to your point right there, what happens is when guys go out with COVID, when these other things happen, other guys take on large loads because they, teams just don't have the bodies to be playing, you know, and they still want to be competitive and win games. And yes, like the NBA's amendment to that um, replacement players rules and, and allowing guys to come in is, is a good way to continue having these games. But for teams to want to remain competitive, it's very difficult to bring in new guys from the G League and slot them into your roster. They haven't had practice time. They haven't had any sort of... of they're reading on the bus. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're literally, yeah, they're, they're learning each other's names um, <laughs> as they come in and they, they don't know what plays the teams are running. They don't know any... Like, it, it's so... It, it's really not a... Conv- like, I get that we're celebrating guys having a chance, but I want to say, like, this is... Like, the NBA is not really setting them up for success in, in these scenarios. No, yeah. It's... it's yeah. There's lots of problems with it, but... Beyond that, what ends up happening is guys who happen to be lucky and avoid getting COVID bear the brunt of heavy minutes, which can, as we all know, um, 
words are not coming to me, but it can make you at a higher risk of um, having a freak injury Um, or, you know, yeah, the wear and tear is one aspect of it, but also we know that, well, through wear and tear, you can also have a lot of freak injuries that happen. Mm -hmm. Like think about Kobe Bryant and his Achilles tear that came after one of the greatest runs I've ever witnessed of a player just Just sort of carrying, carrying his team. And it comes with the minutes and, and everything. And for guys to want to remain competitive because like the East is so jumbled. The West is so jumbled. There's really no clear cut team that we know is going to win the championship. A lot of these teams are going to continue to want to sort of try. And I just think that like the NBA is really setting us up for some, some second half, second part of basketball that might be disastrous. Like I'm hoping it's not, I'm knocking on all sorts of wood, but I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm so anxious about this NBA season. Oh yeah. It's like the unknown, constant unknown. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, speaking to that, it kind of leads into the next topic, which is the uh, competitiveness, um, particularly of the Eastern Conference, because we know mm-hmm. that that uh, the title of most competitive conference has kind of been overtaken by the East the last season or two. Um and especially- 2019 is when it began, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been just, ridiculous um right now you have i think the top five or so teams um that have the uh 20 20 wins and up and i i I think there are a couple of teams that have been added into that today but um you have i think do you have the 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 three true competitors i'd say or the um what would that consist of The, the nets the bucks um, the Heat and the Bulls, so four teams mm-hmm. that I think are uh, legitimate, you know, barring um, poor health, are legitimate um, teams to uh, represent the Eastern Conference in the finals competition. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, after that, you have a bunch of teams that are just kind of neck and neck, um, you know, outside of the Cavs, who I think have gotten a pretty significant amount of wins over the, the next, um, you know, five or six teams. But there's a cluster of but like. Also, they teams. have that Rubio. They had that Rubio injury, which. Yeah, them. yeah. And Rubio was like, he was playing he was this so, season. He's so important for them. They've had some like really shit luck with both Sexton and Rubio. And have um, managed to keep their head above water, which is, you know, know, a testament to them, to them and the improvement they made this season. But um, yeah, there's a cluster of teams that are like 1.5 or so games removed from yeah, one another, 0.5 here. Let me pull up the standings, right? Yeah, um, there's like a cluster. I think it's, um, you know, there's the Celtics in there, the Raptors, the Knicks, um, the Hawks even. Um, Separated by three and a half games. Yeah, and so uh, I wrote about it for today's piece that for Yahoo that um, like if the Raptors have, you know, put their injuries and COVID behind them and they have a, you know, a stretch of good luck and good health ahead of them, they have a good opportunity to kind of um, string together a few wins and find themselves um, among, you know, alongside or closer to Cleveland. Um, But, you know, I know a lot of teams are hoping for the exact same thing, but I think it's an interesting thing because, um, considering everything that the team has been through thus far for them Mm -hmm. to be kind of hovering around 500 is kind Mm -hmm. of like a clean slate for them heading into the second half of the season. You know, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, it it was very similar to kind of what they had last year too. Right. If you remember, they had those massive wins against the bucks and the Sixers Yeah, and they were right around 500. And then that's exactly when COVID hit and the season was derailed entirely, which is right around that February mark. So um, yeah. And I, I think that the Raptors are, 
like just to put this into perspective. So once again, three and a half games separate the fifth seed from the 12th seed. Three games separate the fifth seed from the fourth seed. Yeah. <laughs> so basically the same distance. Um, so yeah, all of these teams are completely jumbled. Looking through it, it's Charlotte, it's Washington, it's Boston, it's New York, um, and Atlanta. And then Toronto's also in there as well. I think um after Atlanta, it's, it's a drop-off again. There's another like three games that separate that, and that's Indiana and the teams that are tanking. I think the Raptors, I agree. I I said coming into the season, I thought the Raptors were a five or six seed. Um, I like the Cavs, did not have the Cavs as high. Yeah. Um, I, like, I wish I was a genius, but I, I was not. Did not have the Cavs this high, but I did like the Cavs, but not this high. And I thought that Chicago, I thought Brooklyn, I thought Milwaukee and Miami were the four seeds, not in the order that they're currently in right now, but I thought that those were the top four seeds in the Eastern Conference. Ah, no, because I thought Philly was a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. So I kicked one of those out. Um, probably the Bulls is a fifth seed is what I had. Um, and so I kind of still think that those are your top five teams in the East. And I think the Raptors still slot as a six seed. I kind of have the Raptors as like they, if things go right for them as a six seed. Now, of course, Philadelphia is kind of a wild card. You didn't mention them in one of the four teams that could represent the East in the finals, which understandably so. Um, so I'm guessing you don't think that there's a Ben Simmons deal on the horizon because that could really be the wild card that shakes up the East entirely. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know how um, Daryl Morey is going to play that card because um, I think that he kind of overplayed his hand by um, just the way he went about the entire thing. And it ended up kind of backfiring on them and um, Ben Simmons um, value kind of dipping as a result. And, you know, technically he has no obligation to keep his value high. That's not his job. You know, his job was. um to play and he he didn't feel invited to play by the organization because of the kind of media game that they were kind of playing. It might um, behoove him to keep it low. Does behoove mean what I think it means? Because hey, if the team that's getting you doesn't have to give up a great haul for you, that's good for be more competitive when you're there. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. He's you. <laughs> he's not a GM. He's not gonna do and what goodwill is he to offer the GM when they were out there, you know, putting out these stories about him and stuff and um, you know, subjecting him to things. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a I I yeah. But what you said is true. The a trade whatever that they do, um, the the Sixers have been managing to stay above water without the second All Star, um, yeah. and whatever, and they don't you know one trade, the correct trade can really take them to another level. Um, and you know I I think that even though um, Ben Simmons' value has been hurt, he still is valuable enough for them to pull a useful piece. Um, to integrate into them and to um, kind of give them what they're missing with the, um, you know, it, I, I honestly think don't think it's going to be just Ben. I think they're going to do something about Tobias Harris as well and look for another, um, you know, uh, scoring small forward to put alongside um, Joel Embiid. But yeah, it's going to be a major move. Whatever happens, it's going to be a major move that kind of changes the Sixers team as we've come to know them the last few years, um, which is and significant always- enough kind of felt like if a deal was going to happen it would probably be closer to now no or like like again yeah. it can always happen in the offseason but because what happens now versus the beginning of the season the beginning of the season teams always feel like they're going to make the playoffs like how many times do we right the kings feel confident that they're going to make the playoffs um every team feels like they're going to make the playoffs and then what happens is the season happens and you have freak injuries um, like the Cavs losing Rubio. Um, you have 
all of these teams that are now don't aren't positioned where they thought they would be or maybe have lost key guys. And that's when they start to panic and make trades. And general managers like Joe Mori, who, you know, know how to prey on teams like this, um, probably wait to make their move now, more so than the beginning of the year when everybody's optimistic and believes so highly in the guys that they have. So it will be interesting to see if there's a panic move from one of these teams. I, I don't know about the Eastern Conference. I haven't even looked at it. I haven't really taken in. Um, like, I guess, you know, Sacramento was a team that was not Sacramento. Oh, Sacramento was rumored. I was thinking of Portland, though. So there are some interesting oh, right. ones. But of course, with the, the seat, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know if he goes anywhere. But that's always but, an interesting one. But what do you do? You agree with me in thinking that those are the top five teams in the East and then the Raptors are probably the six? Yeah, that's what I think as well. Like, um, Scotty has been like a game changer for the Raptors. You know, I think that's sure. that's been like their, um, before it was kind of a, a, not a mixed bag, but it was a, there's an unpredictable element because we had an idea of what he was going to be at the draft. And then we actually saw what he is on the court. Um, and I think that he's the type of player where in a playoff setting, he can be kind of like the guy who just becomes, um, who who kind of forges his identity in the po- postseason? You know what I mean? Like he seems like the exact kind of guy who just needs a high stakes um, postseason to really come alive because that's that's been the product of the best Scotty moments in close matchups down to the wire. That's when like he does crazy things um, mm-hmm. that always seem to go well for him. So um, that's kind of what ha- has made me think like you know this kind of is like a, a the Raptors are looking like. Um, um, a, a tough first round exit or a second round. Uh, they can seek into the second round if they get that kind of five, six matchup or something. I, but, I like uh, them. I like them against some of these teams. I, I think the Raptors could be really good if they're at full health. And that's kind of the issue is that the Raptors need to be in full health because they're so thin. And like, it, it's all like, you need Pascal. You need Fred. You need Scotty. Exactly. Need OG. Every single person. You need you Ken need, Birch. <laughs> you need you need Ken Birch. Like Ken Birch is so <laughs> you need precious. You need Utah Watanabe. Like you need these guys. But if that you need precious, if they have literally all of the guys that we just named, like that's a really good freaking team. That is that, a dope team. Yeah. That is legitimately scary to all of the teams all of the top four teams that we just listed i wouldn't want to play them if i was the nets the bucks like i wouldn't i want to i would feel like that would be a really annoying first round like that would be an exhausting first round you might get some guys taken out (laughs) it would the raptors are going to be a hard hard out um and i'm like i'm so excited for it but the problem is you need everyone exactly yeah and 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 will they have that that's just been that's that's the question like even when the raptors won the championship they didn't have OG and Obi. That like OG is so pivotal yeah, to what exactly. this Raptors team does. He's so important. And like, yeah, they had Fred for the first two rounds, but like, did they really have Fred for the first two rounds? Like, but like this. There's team no margin of error with this. Doesn't squad, yeah. have that. Yeah, they don't have that any longer. They and that's what's scary. And that's kind of why I don't think that they're in the top echelon of the Eastern Conference. I think they certainly can be. If they have those spark plugs, if they have those, you know, every contender has those two one or two players off the bench that are legitimate starters. And the Raptors don't have that. If the Raptors had a guy like had a guy like Gary Trent coming off the bench and a guy like um uh, OG coming off the bench or something like that. You know, there's always like the, that that yeah. 20 point score or something sitting on the bench for these contenders. Yeah. We don't have that luxury. 
Um, and we don't have uh, right now like that, just, you know, top seven player. Like that's also a game changer for a team, but. Oh yeah. Um, twice, nice. um, that's been the difference, but also I, I forgot to mention it when you were talking about uh, the Sixers, uh, there's a matter of the fact that Joel Embiid is like, you know, he's Joel Embiid. Like he's, uh, he's injury prone. We don't know what the, he's, definitely um, the top one or two bigs in the NBA. There's always just a debate between him and Jokic. It's really just up to those two um, as, as for, uh, you know, for the best fives in the league. Um, But it's it's always been a question of his health, a question about the duration of his prime. Is this going to be a type of guy where, you know, do you want to waste a season just because you overplayed your hand with your guy? Like, or are you going to, you know, make the trade that you need by mid season and salvage the rest of the season for him? Like, it, what kind of risks? It will tell a lot about what Maury thinks or, you know, his level of, um, I, I don't even know how to put it, whether it's a del- delusion or whether it's just, you know, um, a behind the scenes thing that I can't understand, like that he um, has to wait until the off season to trade Ben uh, because the market is just that dire <laughs> right now. It's, it's, um, it's scary. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid's health, like, I mean, that's something that I, I have to imagine is weighing on the Sixers and then making this decision and not waiting out four years or however long um, mm-hmm. Daryl Morey says that he will. But I believe Daryl. I kind of believe that he will. I kind of, he doesn't like losing on deals. Yeah. He's not going yeah. to do it. Yeah, and he's, despite everything, he's among the best gems in the league. So um, whatever he yeah. does will be the smart. That's why I have no doubt that he will get the best value for Ben Simmons right now. Because he's not like going to get exactly what the team needs. It's just a matter of timing that I'm, I have questions about. But we'll see. Um, I'm actually on his side with this. I don't know where you stand on this. I'm sorry to like keep staying on this. I have no opinion on it. but like, Okay, that's fair. That's very fair. I know like you're a resident Sixers fan here at Dishes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because like I, I keep likening it back to like the Vince Carter deal with the Raptors and the Raptors just wanting to make a deal to make a deal. And like, that crippled that, yeah. this team for half of a decade, if not longer, for a decade, for literally a decade, a decade before they were a consistent winner. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know that like, and obviously it's like, it's different stakes with the Sixers. They're a better team. Um, it, it's, it's like a different scenario, but I still think that it has that sort of debilitating factor to it. If they do make a move that just doesn't work. Because yeah. they feel pressured to make something. Yeah. And so before we close out the show, let's talk about the all-star uh, ballot. And they're probably going to release the um, first um, collection of votes um, probably soon. I, I'm guessing within the uh, maybe mid-January or something. But yeah, um, so the, the, the lead, I guess, um, representation that the Raptors are likely to have any chance to um, sneak into the all-star game would probably be Fred Van Bleet. Um, so what is your, what is your opinion on um, the season he's had so far and the case for Fred Van Bleet? Because it's probably going to become down to him. It's probably going to come down to him and um, Garland from the um, Cavaliers. So um, to me, Fred is the better player, I think. And, but, but then again, the Cavs, have been so good this season and the all-star game will be in Ohio. They probably are going to definitely have representation in the all-star game. So um, what is your uh, case for Fred or do you, do you think there's a case for Fred or is it just going to be a case of um, whether coaches are going to um, 
get the kind of the sentimentality of having Garland there or will they go with Fred, who I think is a coach's favorite, really? Yeah, I think the coaches would probably go with Fred over Garland. They tend to go with older players. They tend to go with sort of more established players. Also, the Caps are going to have other representation there. Um, and if the Raptors could climb up the standings and are no longer the 11 seed, but actually have a, an above 500 record, which I think would put them right in that sort of six to seven range. If they're there, I think you have to give it to Fred Bensley. He has been everything for the Toronto Raptors team. He like, I love Garland. I think he's so fun. I think he's like just an exciting. He's player. awesome. Like I saw the Cavs versus Raptors at Scotiabank and yeah. He gave Fred problems. That kid is quick. He's so fast. It's it's guards like that that give Fred that give Fred issues. Mm -hmm. And I think in terms of like an entertainment aspect, don't kill me, um, people. But I think like I would if I'm just like an objective fan, being like I just want to watch this for entertainment perspective. Mm -hmm. um, Garland is 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 fun. <laughs> it's yeah. always more fun than an undersized point guard that's like a great defender and like it, it's just Garland is just like a, a more fun player. Having said that, I do think Fred VanVleet deserves it more. I think because he's been everything to the Raptors in a way that like Garland has been great for the Cavs, but he isn't there. Um, he isn't like the number one reason for their success in the way that I would say Fred VanVleet has been the main reason for the Raptors' success. Yeah. Um, and it's for that reason that I think it has to be Fred VanVleet. He's just been a flat out better player. For one, he's had to be a better player, but he's also just been better and been doing more than Garland has for his team, despite Garland just being phenomenal and so much fun. And like, also coaches like to give it to the older player because the younger player has so many years ahead of him where he can make it. And like, Fred is not old by any means, but he'll be 28. I feel like, yeah, I feel like around. also uh, for people identify with Fred's story, a lot so uh, yeah, as soon got, as he has a case yeah. to I feel like as soon as now that he has a legitimate case I think they're going to pounce on the opportunity to get him in there and um, just for basketball sake like the captain basically of this team and like just holding the Raptors above water like if for people who think that the Raptors like whoa whoa they're a six seed when they look up in the middle of like February how do they get here the answer is going to be Fred Van Vliet yeah exactly. for that reason it's I think it's going to be Fred yeah so um, moving on to the last topic, um, there's been a, the approach to um, the COVID protocol has really changed, I am, I think, to, in comparison to last season. Just like not even well, in comparison to last season, in the sense that fans weren't allowed in arenas for the bulk of the season you know, last year. Um, and then you had um, the year before that where there was an entire break in the season. It seems this time it's a case of the show must go on by any means um, to the point where you had like the the jokes about how they're going to be um, giving people from Twitter 10 day contracts to, <laughs> to cover for players on teams. Oh, they will. Uh, <laughs> so um, what do you think is going to be the effect on the um, outcome of the season or the postseason in this case? Like, do you think it's going to be another bubble situation where people, um, it, where it has a huge impact on like the outcome of the NBA as a whole? And, like, because I feel like last year there were the uh, teams that were really thriving off of no crowds. Like, you had teams like the Knicks who are just really struggling now. Um, and you have um, players who were playing out of character and everything. Do you think it's going to be a case of that where the, t the season is just so uncharacteristic people aren't going to count it as real? 
Kind of. I, I think that it's something that the NBA is sort of setting up for themselves here. Like they're not doing themselves any favors. Um, plug for Katie, um, Basketball Feelings. She just released um, a, a piece this weekend where she had a bunch of writers yeah. put in their feelings for um, the year, uh, which is like 2021. And I wrote unprepared. <laughs> um, that's how I feel this 2021 year has kind of been. And I use that Kyrie Irving quote where he basically says, um, I knew the consequences. But he was unprepared to face them, which was um, when he was asked about sitting out and kind of watching his team play basketball because he obviously didn't sign up. And right. basically I said that, like, if you gave Adam Silver truth serum, that would be what he would say about this season because they wanted to rush back to like normalcy so quickly. They kept calling it. It's going to be a normal season. It's going to be October through June, like regular. Um, we're going to have 82 games like regular. We're going to have our all-star break, like regular. Everything is going to be regular and normal and normal and normal. And get those fans in, in there. The pandemic. Yeah. Like it's not going to be normal. Um, 82 games is too much. It's a short, it was a short off season just to get us back to normal. Cause what they don't want is they don't want 2023 to also be affected and then 2024 to be affected. And then even after the pandemic is done, we're still adjusting to basketball schedules because of everything the year before sort of being pushed back a bunch. So they really try to rush this. Out. Yeah. I never even thought about that, but yeah, it seems that it's just for the, for saving the calendar and saving the yeah. um, regular layout of the season. Yeah, Adam um, Silver said that. Years. And yeah, Adam Silver has, has, has said as much. Um, and unfortunately, like COVID still happens. And I don't know that they, I, did they not assume that like, yes, you're not testing as regularly as years past, which they've bumped up now during the holiday season. So I think until January 8th, it's testing every single day. But like, you're not testing as regularly as you did in the past your like mask mandates aren't as strict as they were in the past. You don't have the same sort of rules and guidelines about guys not being able to go out for dinner when they're visiting other teams. There's less control over the guys and understandably so, Mm -hmm. um, because I just don't think the guys are going to want to adhere to those rules forever. Um, But what happens is one guy gets COVID on a team. The entire team is going to test positive for COVID, which is what we keep seeing. And it's like, did that not factor into the equation? Did no one stop and think, hey, when this happens, what's going to happen when one guy gets it? Do they think just because people were going to be vaccinated that they would not get COVID? Because I think what we've all learned over and over and over and over again is being vaccinated does not prevent you from getting COVID. It prevents you from going into the ICU and dying, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so it's like, we knew that this was going to happen. We knew you guys were going to test positive. So what was your plan before deciding, okay, we're going to have replacement players. And then when that happens, hello, guys from the G League can also get COVID as we saw with the Toronto Raptors. Like, how like, are we just going to continue this? And also, if you want people to treat this as a real season and not a Mickey Mouse season, I, I just feel like it's really difficult to push forth. This is a real season when so much of it depends on your team not getting COVID and not being derailed by and COVID. And now the Raptors arena is empty. <laughs> so That's another thing, right? And, like, the Raptors were always going to have it a little bit more difficult because of, like, the rules in Canada um, yeah. are, are generally made by adults. Not always. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it feels different like that. Honestly, I, like, I'm fine with them being here, even if there's no one in the arenas. Like, everybody be safe. 
Yeah, uh, they have their own homes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like at least, yeah, they get to sleep at home. The kids get to go to like the schools here. They don't have to like uproot themselves. So like if the worst that happens is we don't get to attend games, that's fine. Yeah. Um, But like what bothers me is that how can people not call this an act? Like, how can you not put an ashes? How can you not recognize the difference of this year when teams are bunched up so closely in the cat in the schedule right now? And if one team gets COVID, that wipes out their entire roster. So now we're just bringing in new people to fill in the games and still play them. But like, how many 50 point, 40 point losses were there last week? Like, <laughs> how many just absolute blowouts were there? And obviously, there were blowouts because that's what's going to happen when you're going to bring in eight new players onto a team or four new players or five new players onto a team. That's what's going to happen. They haven't had time to practice. They have no idea what the team is running. They're just learning each other for the first time. So it literally mm. feels like a bunch of new guys playing together because that's exactly what it is. It's not conducive to winning. It doesn't make any sense. And so the standings are going to be all out of whack when this does happen. And I think that that matters towards the end of the season. When we're talking about this teams who get hit by COVID are going to have just a, a major difference. I think one of like the, the differences is someone like Jason Tatum who talked about getting asthma after having COVID and like the effects of long COVID. Like I ideally what's happened is because guys are vaccinated and have their boosters, we're not going to get that long COVID. That yeah. That's been a, yeah. It seems that the recovery time. Pascal. Yeah. It seems that when they come back they're they look just as good as they did uh, exactly. Whereas before it was like, okay, this guy clearly looks like 15 pounds lighter or something like that. Yep. And they, they look slower. They don't look like they, you know, their conditioning is out of whack. Whereas DeMar Rosen said, bro, I was just bored at home. Yeah. Which is like is a testament to the vaccine. And so ideally that that's kind of it. And I think what the NBA is hoping for, what I imagine is they're like, okay, well, whatever. Some team might be like three or four games worse in the standing, but then come playoff time, everyone's going to be healthy. And I think if that's the case, if we're going in to the playoffs, talking about teams being healthy and, and guys sort of gearing up what happened in November and December with COVID doesn't matter as much. So hopefully we get to that point, but right now being like in the mix of like that December and talking about it, um, it just feels like what the hell are you guys even doing? You know? Yeah. What I mean? Yeah. We'll see how it pans out, but um, I can't wait for the all-star break and to kind of assess the Eastern conference at that point. Um, but that is it for today's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. Thank you for joining me, Iman. Uh, we'll Thanks. catch you guys next week. So peace out. Bye, everybody. Bye.